The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one, welcome all. This is another episode of Monday Football Monday. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I know you don't hear the voice of RJ Ochoa of Blogging the Boys. He's out today. So I'm I'm running the show here, and I'm going to try to do my, my best and so, as RJ would do, I got I got to do the ad read. So here I go. I'm gonna I'm gonna try here, Rachel. A reminder: this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use the code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And by the reading of the reviews, I, I know that you don't want to hear just from me today. You guys are big RJ fans, so no RJ, but helping me out today is another one of the Arrowhead Pride crew. It's Steven Serta, our audio producer. So, Steve, welcome to Monday Football Monday. Thanks for helping me out here today. Yeah, no problem. I'm very happy to be uh, filling in for RJ. I know it's big shoes. I was going to wear a polo because I feel like yeah. that's his thing. Uh, but I realized I'm a 32 year old man and I don't own right. a single polo anymore. So I, I do wonder if, that. you know, RJ is a cool abbreviation to his name. Uh, my, my good friend Roel there. So I wonder if we should maybe put a, a, a an abbreviation to your name. What's your middle name, Steve? It's Michael. So it's OK. SMS. All right. So it real it's I'm pleased to be joined by SM Serta. And the thing that we're going to be talking about today is the NFL off-season headlines that really matter and I, I know what you're thinking right away two chiefs guys we're going to be hearing about patrick mahomes no no i have devised a list that will include very little mention there will be a slight mention because we have to but there'll be very little mention of the kansas city chiefs another guideline for this list is the nfl offseason has been dominated by now cleveland browns quarterback uh, deshaun watson in not such uh, a great light and we've been covering it here in different capacities on the SB Nation NFL show, and we will continue to do so. But because it's been such a big story, and we know that already. We've kind of extracted Watson from this list, and it's going to be more football-centric and things that we really feel like will make a difference for your experience as you take in what will be the 2022 NFL season. For example, of uh, headlines that don't matter, Steve, Ron Rivera. I really like Carson Wentz command of our offense, right? You know, what do we even, what do we talk about? Well, why, you, you just don't believe him. Like you just don't believe what Rod Rivera say. Well, that, this is an example of a headline. that doesn't matter. Of course the head coach is going to say that. Why, why are we, why, why are, why are we mentioning this on pro football talk and NFL.com? Here's another one. Darren Waller says he's been watching Rob Gronkowski's tape. <laughs> Why was happy he June doing that before <laughs> this is the first he time said, he's ever watched him play. Yeah. Now McDaniel uh, is, is head coach. And maybe now he finally has access to, to the, the Patriots tape from back in the day. And then, yeah, he's been watching a lot of Rob Gronkowski's tape and, and that is going to make the difference. Here's one more before we get into the headlines that do matter. 
Offensive coordinator Mike Kafka said he's going to allow Daniel Jones more freedom. Um, was, good. was Daniel Jones <laughs> was Daniel Jones not free when he was running down the field and tripping up at the goal line? He looked pretty free to me. I I, I feel like he had freedom before. Am I, I, am I crazy to think that? I do. I do give that Giants offense a little bit of a pass last season because of Joe Judge. I think it was the worst head coaching situation in football. So maybe there is something to that. Maybe more freedom is good for Daniel Jones and good for the Giants offense. Okay, SM, you're really not following my leader. (laughs) These are headlines that don't matter. I'm trying to make it very clear that these are not headlines we're going to include in our our top 10 list. But hey, look, let's get into the, the top 10 list. One more thing before we do. Uh, and I want to make sure you know this, Steve. At the end of each program, Rachelle, our, our great producer here at MFM, will name an MF double MVP. This is a, a war, an award. I'll tell you, I usually win it. Uh, every time I that we have it, I will typically win. But, and maybe this is a, a, a flaw, Rachelle, that you might want to think about. Rachelle does have a knack for having someone on and just dishing out the awards to the guest that is filling in. So let's keep that in mind. Let's call it down the middle. Let's see who does the best job, Rachel. Keep that in mind as we we name the MF double MVP at the end of uh, today's program. All right, so let's get to number 10. These are the headlines from the offseason that we feel really do actually matter. And this one is actually starts off the field to an extent because the way we take in football nowadays is uh, on TV. I mean, we are watching games all the time. Even I, I've talked to a lot of people in, in Kansas City, for example, they sometimes prefer to just watch the home game on TV instead of going to tailgate one of the better tailgating spots in, in America just because of the comfort. You get your drinks, your food, it's cold out there. And so this one stands out to me is is the broadcast team shakeup. And I just really feel it's going to change the way that we watch football. I mean, you have the the streaming team of, of Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. Now, for example, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will be calling Monday Night Football. We know the Manning cast sort of changed a little bit of how we we took it in there. And and NBC on Sunday Night Football will be Mike Tirico and, and Chris Collinsworth. And, yeah, it's, it's a little thing, and, and the game is not going to change. But especially on Thursday and Monday nights, it's going to have a, a completely different feel than it has in previous years. Is it really going to change the way we watch football, though? Um, See, this is I don't even do I have to pick. Can I pick someone else? Why why did I bring you to to fill in? Do you disagree with everything? I said, well, am I just supposed to agree with all all the headlines? Yeah, this is this is how that this is how that works. I make the list and you're like, yeah, you know what, P, that is an excellent point. So thank thank you for bringing that to our attention. I I think that this absolutely should have been at the bottom of the list of top headlines. Well, it's number. That's why it's number 10. It's number 10 of 10. Steve. I mean, um, it can't, I can't be any lower. It can't be any lower than it is. I just don't for me personally. And I, I feel like we make a big deal about this generally, especially in sports media, because we love debating about everything. And you debate like broadcast crews who you like, who's your favorite broadcaster. And I don't think that people really care. I, I don't think that people will oh, notice because of the big shakeups. I don't think that people care as much about it as we generally make like a big deal about broadcast shakeups. I don't think they care that much. I I completely disagree and I'm I'm fired up most and I'll tell you this for the Thursday night football team. I I think Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit are going to be fantastic. I I think when there is a lack of access to some of these games, when you have to figure out how to stream them, especially for the older fans of the NFL, I think that'll be an interesting wrinkle to it. But I think that's the best team. And the new the new Fox lead team, who I believe will call the Super Bowl, and, and that does make a difference, Steve, will be Kevin Burkhart and, and Greg Olson. I like the Burkhart-Olson team, but it, it'll it be interesting to see a, a younger team that's a little bit lesser known getting the nod for the Super Bowl just because Fox had to turn to somebody else, and this was the next best best team calling the calling the the biggest game of the year for sure so uh steve disagrees with I mean, the, the 10th ranked as long uh, as we got line. drew Brees out of here nobody seems so to drew Brees. so so far sm has said that some of the headlines that don't matter should have been in the ones that do and then the, the <laughs> last one should not have been, been even been part of the list so thanks steve for for being a supporter of this uh this program here's one i know you won't disagree with because you you mess you messaged it to me uh, earlier today and that's the Calvin Ridley being suspended for a year uh, for gambling. It's wild how much happens 
in the NFL that we have sort of for, forgotten about this one. I think that to me has has stood out uh, in a way because uh, this is a, a huge deal. I, you know, when when Matt Ryan was still a member of the Falcons and teaser, we'll, we'll be talking more about his situation upcoming. But when Ryan was still a member of the Falcons, you, know, you were wondering if Ridley could be back in the mix, if he was going to play football this year, if, well, OK, maybe he uh, decides to come back and then doesn't want to be a Falcon and they find a way to, to move him. And now everything is just uh, pushed to what will be the 2023 season and for a really odd reason. And I, I think. I think to an extent, the NFL had to make an example out of somebody that, that is just like, we know that gambling is becoming more and more legal. We know it's becoming more and more accessible, but you just cannot bet on any game at all. You can't. You can't. You have to make that hard rule and Ridley learned that the hard way. And now we'll, we'll have to see if he can rebound nicely in 2023. I know that they had to make an example of him. And so I understand this. But yeah, like you mentioned we've totally forgotten about this. Like just because it's been such a crazy off season and there's been so much going on across the NFL. Nobody, I feel like nobody is talking about Calvin Ridley is just going to be missing an entire year for this. And I understand the way it jeopardizes the integrity of the game and, and all of that stuff. And you had to make an example of him because you just absolutely can't have current NFL players betting on games, especially when those games involve the team that they currently play for, even if they weren't playing at the time. But I still think it's ridiculous. I think a year is just insane. And Calvin Ridley is a young player who has a ton of upside and is a really, really talented player. And I'm upset that we're going to miss out on him for an entire football season because he placed a couple of bets, especially when uh, a few years ago, the NFL was like, no, you can't participate in fantasy. You can't do this. You can't do yeah. that. And now you've got. NFL players who were like openly like in fantasy leagues on Twitter and it's totally fine. But this that's where they draw the line and Calvin Ridley gets suspended for a year. I just think it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I, I'm it, it seems a little little steep, but I I just think the the NFL had their it seemed like their first example of this where they tracked it and, and the companies that run DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever it was helped the league to to make sure that they knew about this. I, I think you gotta make sure that people know you can't do it. I, I really feel because once you have someone that pulls up a DraftKings app and bets themselves to have under X yards, the whole league you start to have a question, you know. And and I I, I know where you're coming from. Sucks to have a young player, really talented young player, really when he is on the field, one of the more entertaining receivers in the league. Period. Not on the field for an entire year, but I. For this one, I, I get where the league is coming from. I'll I'll be interested to see what happens with Ridley, you know, once we get to next offseason. He's probably kicking himself big time because of the wide receiver explosion that happened uh, in the offseason and, and just kind of get, getting wrapped up in something that's going to cost him uh, really a key of his prime years. I do think I have a suggestion that would be fun. So what? to peel back the curtain a little bit, me and Pete, good friends, both live in Kansas City. That's right. We do occasionally like to go out for a, a couple of cold beers and sure. sometimes we gamble on bags <laughs> at the local bar and we happen to do that over the yeah. weekend. And That's right. I lost $20. I think yep. I'm like 0 and 6 against Pete. So maybe I should mm -hmm. stop gambling against Pete when we go to the bar. Are you telling me right. it wouldn't be fun to watch NFL players just like gambling on the sidelines during games and like exchanging cash. It would be fantastic. I it's understand just, why you can't do that, but I think it would maybe, be fun. Maybe that's where the Pro Bowl, maybe that's how we fix the Pro yes, Bowl. You, they can, that, they can be that, on, yes. on the, on the app at, at the, the same time and, and bet on themselves. And by the way, Steve, Steve is burying the lead here. So yeah, I, I, I beat him in bags for $20 over the weekend. Sorry, Steve. Uh, I would say it's got to be a few months back now. Steve and I bet $10 on, you, you know how they have these big connect fours uh, that are outside at these outdoor patios. I beat Steve in connect four with four discs. <laughs> I, I kid you not. The exact day. It was the day that Tom Brady came out of retirement and it totally yeah, I took me. And then I beat me in four took minutes. a great new Twitter profile picture of you. Uh, I think you were smoking a cigarette at the time, which is, which is par for the course with Steve when you go out for a few beverages. But yes, uh, we had a connect four battle and I trapped him in the classic, you know, you put three right in the middle. Steve is distracted by whatever he's doing on the other side. 
bing, bang, boom, four discs, $10 uh, in the Venmo for me. But that's that's besides the point, Steve. We have fixed the Pro Bowl. Let them have their cell phones. Let them bet on the Pro Bowl as the game is going on. Have the numbers pop up of who bet what and for the next drive and sort of highlight that. And it'll be a great sponsor. It seems like DraftKings just has what did I have like a billion dollar ad budget? I feel like they could be spending this, this money to, to, to uh, I would say advertise with, with the whole game. They were all over the match. Uh, it seemed like as well. So, uh, and, and they look there, we've got another mention for a sponsor of, of Monday football Monday. So that's great as well. Okay. Uh, number eight, again, we are on Monday football Monday, counting down the off season headlines that really matter. And the one that I'm watching here is, Colts Darius Leonard the outside linebacker for the Colts had offseason back surgery this is their their best player and that's the worst possible ailment to have I think in the NFL especially if you play uh, among the front seven or the offensive line because you just never know with the back and I know that they're saying recently that that he'll be ready for maybe it looks like the first or second week of training camp but still it's just not something you want to see especially a guy that you paid quite a bit of money yeah I, I think that uh, just like NFL perception wise, we don't give uh, Darius Leonard enough credit. Sometimes I understand he's a linebacker, but he is exceptional. Like he is just an right. exceptional player and he's so good that he allows the Colts defense to be productive. Like he is a huge, huge part of that. And when he's not on the field for them, you can tell uh, how much it affects their overall defense. So they're a defense that I think like sometimes they lack stars, but he is so good that he makes everybody else look better on that defense. So yeah, I think I think it's huge. Um, and I hope that he is fully healthy because football's more fun when Darius Leonard's on the field. Best tackle on the team and and good in coverage and and really the key to their defense. And it's a year where you know, they I think when you acquire a quarterback, and we'll talk about that as well, you're all in and at least, you know, trying to gun for the division and, you know, you get, you get the division or you get one of these wild cards. You never know what happened. And it was a really, really disappointing year for the Colts last year. So uh, again, RJ is not in the show and we know how he feels about the Indianapolis Colts, but we, Steve and I hope they land uh, on their best foot forward. And uh, this is tough. This is tough, uh, a tough thing to see. And so look, maybe we're, we're blowing it up here and he'll be fine for training camp i just am a little bit concerned when you talk about the back like it's not a it's not a hamstring tweak or it's not an ankle cleanup that you sometimes hear and the guys come out on the other side pretty consistently it's it's the back which which can linger so i i don't know i'm cautiously optimistic but i think it is something to watch that really you know you, you again you see these off-season headlines that we feel don't matter because you know there's no football for a couple months here but this one feels like it could linger into the the regular nfl season so that's something to watch to me yeah, All right. we, we've seen back injuries shorten a lot of NFL players' careers. Not not to right. say that that's going to happen. I hope I hope it doesn't. Darius Leonard's exceptional, so I hope he's healthy. Darius Leonard and back to me is just something to remember as as we move forward here. All right, number seven, I unfamiliar territory in Pittsburgh, and I I think from all the hoopla and stuff that's going on in the NFL, I I, I don't know if this is even getting enough attention. I, I feel like if it was in a different city, maybe a quarterback battle would be. I understand it. It does seem like Mitch Trubisky has the edge of the QB quarterback battle in Pittsburgh over Mason Rudolph and what would be a Kenny Pickett. But who knows? I This feels wide open. It feels like something that the rookie could win. I don't anticipate Mason Rudolph doing it. I guess if I'm betting on it, I'd, I'd pick Mitch Trubisky. But this decision, I think, will be important. And I think no matter how it goes, Whoever quarterback does win it as the week one starter is going to have a very short leash uh, because I, I think Mike Tomlin is going to be very, very enthusiastic in making sure that that above 500 streak maintains. And, you know, they have this winning tradition in Pittsburgh or at least 500 right tradition in, in, in Pittsburgh. And I I don't know if it's getting a lot of attention. Maybe it's yet. Maybe once training camp happens, the, we'll zone in on Pittsburgh and see if Pickett really has a chance. But. Uh, this to me stands out where they're trying to figure out who their next quarterback is. And when, when's the last time we said that about the Pittsburgh Steelers 20 years ago. So to me, uh, something that's gotten a little bit lost in the shuffle. Yeah. They're a really interesting team this season to see how everything plays out there because they've got tons of talent. Like their defense is obviously really good. TJ yep. Watt is 
a stud and he's going to be an absolute monster and that defense is going to be a problem. So they're still going to be competitive, but then you look at the Bengals and the Ravens who I think the Ravens are one of the most underrated teams when we're talking about AFC contenders this season, if they stay healthy Um, and then whatever is happening with the Browns. But the Steelers are really interesting because that offense has a ton of playmakers. And so I do think it's in Pittsburgh's best interest to get as much as they can out of Mitch Trubisky at the start of the season and and see if he can, if he can stay uh, and keep them afloat and like stay as their starter, at least for this year while they develop Kenny Pickett. I don't think that Mason Rudolph has a chance of being involved in this offense. And if he is, then uh, that means that Kenny Pickett pick was a disaster, even as a rookie, if Mason Rudolph is in any way involved in this. You know, this has been sort of the hidden story of the NFL dating back to last year because everyone in Buffalo says Mitch Trubisky is redeveloped into this new Trubisky part two, 2.0. You know, you get the change of scenery. He gets a brand new jersey. This is a grand opportunity, too. I don't think if you're Pittsburgh, you necessarily want to force Pickett in there when Trubisky has done it before. Rare you see players and you know you're getting another one in Atlanta with Mariota but rare you see players get their opportunity for a true second act if Trubisky comes out and and looks good I I think it's his job to lose I don't think even think about putting Pickett out there this year Uh, I ultimately think it is Trubisky I mean I've said that a few times but it'll be interesting to watch during training camp like you know when you turn on NFL Network at night you wonder how it is going in Pittsburgh because I do think that there is a scenario where Pickett could steal this thing and Man, that would be tough for, for Trubisky, again, who's trying to have a second act. I, I think there's an honorable mention here for uh, Geno Smith versus Drew Locke in Seattle. Definitely a a, a lesser, uh, I would say, relevant quarterback battle because we know Pete, uh, and now that he's gotten rid of his chef, his, his lead chef is is going to be run first and has wanted to do this for like years. That has been the constant struggle for a long time in, in Seattle. So. Uh, Drew Locke versus Geno Smith. I know that Geno has been getting the first crack at this. Steve, do you think Drew Locke can ultimately win that battle in in Seattle? No, he couldn't beat <laughs> he couldn't beat out Teddy Bridgewater, and now he can't beat out Geno Smith. Like I, I know that Pete has been putting it out there. Like, oh no, we love Drew Locke. Like we would have taken him. I thought you were talking about me for a second, and I'm like, I don't think I've been saying anything about Drew Locke, but yeah, you're right. Pete Pete Carroll, sorry. Yeah, I should use last names when I'm talking to you on this podcast. Uh, Or referencing Pete Carroll. But no, it's... I think that Drew Locke will probably play for them at some point this year, um, and maybe they'll go back and forth, but Seattle's going to be one of the worst teams in football. And yeah, if Pete has anything, Carroll has anything to say about it, uh, they'll probably just give Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny and Chris Carson and all those guys just a ton of carries all year. There's two teams in the NFL that really are run first and, you know, you know, by far more run first than the rest. Uh, and I'm putting Seattle in that now, too. And, you know, you have Baltimore, who really is more of a run first because you got Lamar and, and he's so unique. Baltimore is like the cool run first team, where Seattle, I consent, is just going to be the lame run first team where it's like, Man, can they allow Geno Smith to throw it ever? Right? They're what are they running it forty times a game, and and they're losing, and you know they're down ten in the fourth, and Pete probably is calling you know a first and second down run, just get, you know, the clock is bleeding. I don't know. I I get a little pre sense in in Seattle, especially if they go super 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 uber run first, that this could be like the beginning of the end of the Carroll era. Like you see Wilson exit first, then Carroll exits second, and then you sort of have a new feel Seattle team in 2023 or 2024. That's the most confusing part about all of this. I can't imagine that Pete wants to be a part of this rebuild and that team is going to no. be terrible. So I don't know. He's older. How, how old is Pete Carroll? Actually, do you have he's, that on? I think he's 70. On the top of your head. He's old. Like He was born in 1951, which makes him 70. Yeah. I mean, that's up there to, to have a rebuild. It, you know, Or it, could be like a Kevin Colbert situation in Pittsburgh where, you know, you kind of step into the shadows, but you try to leave the team on the right foot. So maybe, maybe Pete builds something and then he, he passes the torch um, along and that kind of fits in with, with the USC background. You see what I did there? Passing the torch. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make 
all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, number six, Mac Jones uh, has said, quarterback Mac Jones has said that Bill Belichick has been very hands-on with the offense. And that would make sense considering the two offensive coaches he has right now are Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Uh, we have seen clips in the past. I remember this in different specials. I can't put a, a name on the exact special. Maybe it was maybe it was uh, when the Patriots won the Super Bowl and it was Do Your Job, where he works very closely with Tom Brady uh, to identify, you know, what the opposing defense might be doing to him. I don't think it's I don't think it's new necessarily that Bill Belichick is getting involved hands-on with the offense. Where what I find it to be interesting is, you know, he is the unofficial defensive coordinator for the team. And there have been questions like, Bill, what are you guys doing with the offense? It's not a head coach that says a lot anyway, but he, he has essentially said we're going to streamline it. Man, what does that even mean, streamline the offense? Are you going to be both the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator? And I I just, I think it's setting up a a situation where it's, if anybody can do it, it's Bill Belichick can do it. But can he really run the offense and call offensive plays and then switch to the other side and call defensive plays and just be working the entire time and not be able to look at any iPads with these guys or, or whatever. I'm, I don't know. I'm just a little intrigued by what's going on in new England and just not really wanting to name an offensive play caller. Not that you need to, I guess in, in June, but I, 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 this could be a headline where you might be like, this belongs in the headlines that don't matter, but, I don't know. There's something about the situation with the coaching in New England that intrigues me. I mean, it is interesting. Um, I'm not going to doubt Bill Belichick at this point in his career. I feel like sure. he's done enough to just say like, okay, well, that guy consistently just gets more out of players than he should. And uh, But it's generally on the defensive side of the ball where you're like, it, it, that guy has no business with uh, making a secondary play that well or making a pass rush work this way. And it's like Bill Belichick has always done that. The offensive coaching staff is weird, and it, it just seems like he feels like they're totally interchangeable because Matt Patricia was his defensive coordinator originally, like before he went to the Detroit Lions, and now he's their offensive guy. And he's just putting pieces around and he's just like, whatever I can figure this out. And I just got to prove that I can do it without Brady. And so he's just like, I'll, I'll do whatever I have to, to, to make that work. And so he's out here just grinding offensive tape now, trying to figure out his offense. I have a bigger point about Belichick and, and Brady. And I think I've said it here before, but I'll, I'll say it again. And just, I'll do that in one second. I want to read the Mac Jones quote. Last year, Belichick was more with the defense and stuff, but now it's like, okay, let me show you this. And he's kind of coaching us and coaching the running backs in that drill on the way that they need to get to the line of scrimmage. So he's very hand-on, and I feel like we've made a lot of growth together as an offensive unit with him. Personally with him as quarterbacks group, so we're all on the same page. He's seen the most football out of any of our coaches. He's seen defense, offense, special teams. So having input is very beneficial to me because he knows what puts stress on the defense. And now with him being very hands-on, he knows how we can stress the defense and how he's going to play into our hand so you have these practices i don't know it just reminds me of like some older guy at the park playing chess against himself like what what i don't know it's just very i'm very intrigued by it and here's the the thing uh, about belichick and brady that i wanted to say i still don't think brady necessarily like won and don't get me wrong if either of these guys wins this thing where who, who is the success for I, I think I would probably side with the players slightly more than the coaches I think players are important we've seen really good coaches go to bad situations and, and not win and I think that that's where the players come in and Brady is the best and he's done it in multiple places 
But Brady got free, and then he was able to pick any cast in the league. It's a lot harder as a head coach to find your next quarterback, and they think they have. But I, I think when you find a younger guy and you're going with the younger guy, you got to give them a few years before you're like, well, he can't win without Brady. I mean, I think we're beginning to see, and I, I think we're also – like this could be a sign in that – Belichick Brady thing of Bill restlessness. He's like, well, you know what? We need to be competitive right now. People are forgetting who daddy is essentially. <laughs> and I think that he's sort of betting on himself in a way uh, as much as you possibly can in the NFL. And it's, it's quite unprecedented. I think to, to be, you know, like for, you know, covering Andy Reid, he, he really, He's a great head coach, but he, he's offense first. Bill has been the opposite of that. And so to he, see him just hands-on on, on both and, and, and ru to rumor to be this hands-on makes for an interesting uh, development that we'll watch as the 2022 season draws near. There's no chance Bill Belichick is the worst offensive coordinator in football, right? No, no <laughs> like, way. And like he's probably he, about 15 or 15 yeah. or above, right? Yeah. Wouldn't like you say probably in the 10 to 15 range? I That might be high, but you just assume that he'll figure it out. Like you just assume that there's no way he's going to be awful at it. And he knows enough about football that he can drop an offense that is going to get the job done for them in some way in new England. I agree. I agree. All right. We are halfway through our rankings here. We are counting down the off season headlines that really matter. Pete Sweeney hanging out with, Steve Serta, SM Serta, filling in for RJ Achoa. So let's go to number five. And for me, this is lingering, disgruntled key players out in the NFC West. And it it remains something to watch. And this is the headline that, you know, it, it's kind of a tweener because a lot of these situations could work themselves out. And you might look back and be like, these are headlines that don't matter. But I, I just find that there's just very key situations going on with a lot of these teams the nfc west first is arizona quarterback kyler murray now it it seems that tensions have gotten a little bit better a little bit less since we had instagram gate where kyler just said enough of this arizona cardinals garb on my instagram and it seemed like maybe he wanted to play for another team things seem to be going better there it does seem like he wants to have a contract before he actually takes the field um, for this season, but you saw Arizona go out and get his buddy Hollywood Brown. So it was a little like, okay, let's let's try to meet in the middle here a little bit. You have San Francisco wide back Debo Samuel, who has been disgruntled, but is now working out with the team. He wasn't going to miss uh, the mandatory mini camp. Someone who did miss the mandatory mini camp was Seattle Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf. And so, for me. Uh, all of these situations may be re resolved uh, by the time the NFL season starts, but you pluck one of these guys from any of those teams and they are a significantly worse team. And so to see this going on the NFC in the NFC West is just something to monitor and we will monitor it, but it stands out as, as headlines that still continue to matter because you have the quarterback of one team and the most important offensive players in the other team. And they don't really want to play for those teams anymore. It, in, in one way or another so how that how it plays out in each of these cities will be important for the chances of each team to win that division this is normally one of those situations where i would just say like there's no chance that those guys play for other teams but the way this offseason has played out and all right. the trades and all the movement across the nfl i have no idea anymore so and maybe it will happen. I tend to think that Arizona obviously is going to keep Kyler Murray and make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in football. Like of of the three, Murray, it feels like is the most locked in with his team, just because man, it's so hard to find a quarterback that is in the top fifteen, right? And not you know, Murray has has jumped up and jumped down, but he's always been better than the average quarterback in the NFL. And you don't want to give that up for nothing uh, and have to restart over. Unless your name is, is your boy, Pete Carroll in Seattle, just willingly, <laughs> willingly did it. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I think in Arizona, Murray ultimately works out and plays this year for sure. Yeah. And I do think that Kyler is a good quarterback and he's going to get paid and he deserves to get paid. Now, if he can actually stay healthy for an entire season, because it's pretty well documented that he just struggles at the end of seasons because he's so small. It's hard for him to hold up for the entirety of an NFL regular season, let alone an actual postseason run. So 
We'll see about that, but he's done enough in his NFL career that he deserves to get paid, and somebody will pay him if Arizona doesn't do it. And Debo, at the start of this, I was like, Debo's not getting traded. There's no way coming off that season. And, you know, Trey Lance, you want to make sure it seems like you've got a window here for the 49ers if you do hit on that quarterback. But with all the movement at wide receiver, I have no idea anymore. I would think that if he was going to get moved, it would have happened before or during the NFL draft. Um, unless they really want to push this thing into the season, which now it seems like that's what they're going to do. I do think that DK could actually wind up getting moved at some point. Seattle should move him. I think it would be smart business to move him because you're in a rebuild. You don't want to give him a massive contract. You already have uh, cap issues because you've made really bad decisions and really bad trades over the last couple of years. And you're just, simply going to be one of the five worst teams in football probably so just move on from him i have a point on 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 samuel and and met and then metcalf but let me start with metcalf because you just you just mentioned it i know what you're saying like you're rebuilding but it's not like metcalf is 28 that's the strange thing about it you have one of the better receivers in the nfl and he's 24 i mean he could reasonably be good by the time the rebuild starts what you know what is a rebuild you start to try to be competitive again year three. You know, at that point, he's only 27. I, I don't like, I don't know. It would be one if it would be one thing if he wasn't still young. That's why I think, unless Metcalf straight up is like, look, I don't want to do the rebuild. I don't want to be here anymore. Then I, I don't think Seattle can work it out and they'll have to move him. Uh, and, you know, he has seen across the league how wide receivers call their shots now. Uh, I think. If it's just a matter of money, I think they figure something out. I, I really do. The one that's interesting to me is is Samuel, and I'll tell you why. Samuel's been vocal in, in saying he doesn't want to be a wide back. He wants to be a wide receiver. He doesn't want to be the dual threat. And so you look at last year's All-Pro season, and, and you're like, well, the reason he had all this yardage was because of the way that they were using him. So he wants to be paid for how they were using him, but he doesn't want to be used in the way that they were using him anymore. What does the team do in that situation, right? He's not, you know, and I think this is easy to say. I don't think this is uh, as arguable is if you're just going to use him as a wide receiver, he's not as valuable as he was last year. I mean, he really found the perfect position for him as, as a player, in my opinion. Yeah, but I mean, the first quarter of the season or whatever, when they were using him as a wide receiver, he was being insanely productive because you just got to get him the ball. Debo Samuel is insane, and I un- I understand why he doesn't want to take. Uh, uh, me too, me I, too. But I'm it, saying that that's that's how to maximize. I mean, he they really identified how to maximize his talent in that way. Yeah, but I, I think we've seen other teams do not to the extent that the 49ers did it with Debo Samuel last year, but where. Early on in players' careers, you kind of see them like, oh, they get a little bit more trick plays, handoffs, pitches, and stuff like that. But then as they become effective wide receivers, it's like, no, they're too valuable. It Even just taking defenders away or whatever, like we got to keep them outside. And so I don't think that should be a hang-up for the 49ers. Like, I think if you want to stay good, Debo Samuel is a really, really good player, and you should pay him. Otherwise, somebody else will because he's fantastic again. The player movement has just been wild and the potential player movement. And I and I think in this particular situation, too, you're seeing how other situations in the league can affect the psyche of players that are currently under contract. Right. I mean, it, it, back in the day, it just it seemed like, oh, I'm under contract or I have another year. You know, it's part of my con-. now players are like, look, you get hurt in football. <laughs> I want to make my money right now. I deserve money right now. Let me make the money right now uh, as the. NFC West continues to struggle to keep their stars happy in Arizona and San Fran in Seattle. It's the run it back Rams at number four coming in here. As the NFC West continues to have these disgruntled players, you have the Aaron Donald mega deal. Sean McVay, Aaron, you got to come back, run it back, run it back. And he ultimately agrees to this massive deal. And I, what's, what's weird about this is you don't want to offer boatloads of money to non quarterbacks, but then he gets this deal and and everyone's like, yeah, he he deserves it. And it'll impact how defensive tackles are paid now. And I don't, no one is going to make the Donald money because he's clearly the best by and large, but, uh, so we're going to talk about chiefs, but I'm interested in seeing next year, how it affects what Chris Jones wants to do and other, other talented defensive tackles, uh, across the league. 
Um, and then aside from Donald, they go and take care of Cooper Cup. And then Cup comes out and, and says, yeah, I always trusted L.A. to do right by me. And I know it's a often used joke, but what salary cap are, do they have? Like, do they, it just seems like the, the Rams find ways and ways and ways and ways to keep these veterans. And maybe it's like, OK, we had the best team last year. We can afford to to continue to front load this. And if we have to kick it down the, the line, we will. Uh, maybe it bites them eventually. But again, uh, you have the Rams in position because they're keeping their stars happy to go and try to do this. It's very hard to become back to back champions. I mean, we haven't seen it in years and years and years and years. But I think the Rams are putting themselves in good position by making sure and to find ways to keep their players happy with these monster deals. We've talked about it a few times on NFL universities or NFL university on Wednesdays. And I think that Sean McVay and Les Snead have just been absolutely hammered. Like since they won the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. Like they've just been on this celebration tour and it's been fun to watch and they're having a, a ton of fun being Super right. Bowl champions. Um, I don't know what the Rams cap situation specifically is. And I see everybody else saying the same thing. Like it's not, it's not a real thing for them. They always find a way to do this. And it, th there is something to that. I, I do think that they are very smart in the way that they manage things. Even if they don't value draft picks the same way that other teams do, they continue to find ways to get it done. And specifically what really works for me in the Aaron Donald deal is yes, he got a bunch of money from them but he could still walk after a couple of years and retire because it seems like Aaron Donald's going to retire sooner rather than later. And he's been honest about that, but he does deserve to get paid because he is one of the biggest difference making players in the NFL. And now you could say the same thing about Cooper cup. So I think it's smart to pay those guys. I think those guys are two of the most gifted difference makers in football. And yeah, if the Rams can keep doing it like this, I mean, it's you, you see a lot of teams, you know, steal things from from NFL teams all across the league and and what makes them successful. And they try to copycat those ideas. I don't know how predictable the Rams model really is to replicate, but it's working. They got a Super Bowl. They're competitive. And, and the core is still there. Like they're still going to be a really good football team. And Matthew Stafford mm -hmm. is at the age of his career where he's probably going to help you out cap wise and, and take some pay cuts to just to keep that core in place because he's got a real chance at winning for a, a few more years here. But yeah. He's got to think about retirement. I think it would easy, be easy for Kansas city or Tampa fans to be like, be careful running it back. But this is, these are two of the best players in the league. Like you had to, you had to take care of them. They're happy now and you're not running it back. You have no chance of running it back. If you lose uh, Donald to retirement, if, and I don't think he would do it because just because of his, his the character that he comes off. But if Cooper Cup were to hold out, for example, I just don't think you want to even entertain either of those things. And so uh, taking care of two of the most important pieces on their team, you know, other than the quarterback, which would be Matt Stafford, who was able to, to get it done uh, last year for them. All right, let's move on to another quarterback at number three. And this is it's crazy. They, sometimes it's easy to forget things, but Tom Brady retired. He was done. And now in his unretirement, it a because you saw all the Buccaneers that returned to Tampa Bay after he came back. I mean, they, they very clearly were not too jazzed about playing with Trask, for example, but you turn the Buccaneers for this year from what was going to be an afterthought to another Super Bowl contending year. And then I think with all that smoke with the Miami dolphins and you're seeing Brady, not really deny any of those talks happened. I think we didn't just get Brady back for this year and i know he signed the fox sports broadcast deal but the miami smoke to me is is real for next year uh, i hope the two one people don't see this but brady would be quite the upgrade uh from from tua i also think there's the possibility that you you could always see brady if in san francisco if trey lance isn't really all that that he's cut out to be and he ends up being the starter this year and, and it's not working out we know that there had been ties to Brady and his his childhood team. Uh, I I don't think we just got Brady unretiring for one season. I think I think we got a three year window where he wants to try to get it done one more time uh, next year in Miami or or San Francisco. 
we really didn't spend enough time talking about the Brady to Miami conspiracy theory. No that, one did. Nobody <laughs> did. Unfolded and was reported by a, a reputable journalist who's had connections. Well, to, easy. Like, I mean, he, but he's reputable by some, not, not reputable yeah, yeah. And, maybe, and maybe that's why, but yeah. I mean, he's at least had connections over the years and, and Brady didn't really deny it. Like he was just like, oh, I've had, have, I've had talks with lots of people <laughs> and I I've had a lot of decisions to make this off season, but I agree. I don't think he's going to retire it. I mean, it'll be in the near future, but I think he's got a few more years because that's why I, I was shocked when he initially retired because it's not like Brady was bad last season. And it's not like you could point to these red flags of like a dramatic decline in his play. He was still fantastic last year. Like he is still a top five NFL quarterback. And so it always seemed weird that he was just going to retire in, unless he was legitimately just, I'm tired. I'm over it. I'm ready to walk away. I'm the greatest that's ever done it. And I can walk away right off into the sunset. Right. But Brady's never been that dude. Brady's always been a psychopath. And and so yeah, it's, he, you know, I, it's weird. You know, I, I know what you're away. saying, Steve. He's always been the man in the arena. You know what I mean? Just every every Sunday, every given Sunday. Uh, I think I'm looking forward to Man in the Arena, the book, because I do wonder if the truth will ever come out about Brady just pushing Bruce Arians out of Tampa. I mean, it, to me, it was so clearly like getting confirmation that, Arians was no longer going to be the head guy. And then he said, okay, I'll come back for the year and then I'll be free again. Uh, you know, and as that point I made before with the Belichick Brady thing, I mean, he'll be free to, to pick his own situation and team and kind of sounds like next year. He'll, if it goes to Miami, he'll be this LeBron James GM type of, of player. And, and then he'll go to Fox sports and I don't know, really, uh, really has a good social team in place. He's developed this personality off the field. I don't know if we've ever seen anything in sports where a pl one single player has gone from a little bit of a v consensus villain to, in a way, this baby face that's polarizing where a lot of people, I think, really do like him now. Some people don't. You have New England fans that are on opposite sides of that. You have NFL fans who feel opposite sides of that. Uh, I, I tend to think more people at this stage like him than dislike him, which is just a, a complete turnaround than, I, than the New England version of Tom Brady. I still don't believe he runs his Twitter account in any capacity. Oh, I, no, it, when when he had retired, you know, all the Forbes and business articles that came out and said he here's who's been running, and then he unretired, and it's like, all right, all right, let's delete all those articles off of Google. We don't we don't want anyone to know my secret. But no, he does. Uh, he he put a good team in place. He can afford it, so good for him. All right, uh, enough of Tom Brady's social media. We, we've talked enough already. Number two, uh, and this one. Uh, is not forgotten about it. it aside from Watson dominating his headlines. Unfortunately, this to me has been one of the bigger things in this offseason period. And that's been the wide receiver trade and signing frenzy and how it's really changed. I think the league certainly for the wide receiver position, but I just think in general for disgruntled NFL players, period, if you aren't happy in your situation, much like the NBA, you can force your way the hell out of there. Hollywood Brown goes to Arizona. We saw Tyree kill to Miami. We saw Devontae Adams to Las Vegas, AJ Brown to Philadelphia. And it's changed how those divisions are looked at. It's changed how those teams outlooks are looked at. And I think it's really changed how other receivers and tight ends around the, the league that are pass catching tight ends feel. I mean, we see the disgruntled Debo Samuel. We've seen Metcalf, George Kittle, went on a, a tangent about how some of these pass catching tight ends need to be paid a lot more because the tight end market is about $15 million capped out. And these guys are making 25 and 30. And it's like, where is important to these, this, these teams offenses as well. And so it's changing the mentality of, of the NFL. And I wonder if we see more things like this at other positions in the future. And I also wonder if teams start to use that trade deadline a little bit more and be like, look, this guy's going to be disgruntled this offseason. We're probably not in a position to win this year. Do you see some of these receivers and pass catchers get flipped more at the deadline? That it's that becomes another interesting wrinkle that, to me, could spill into the NFL season. I do agree with you that I, I think this is kind of a trend now where there's just so many talented wide receivers in the NFL right now. Like, there's just so many playmakers at that position, and – 
there's, you know, 20, 25 guys. I feel like you could point to and be like, that guy's so good. That guy's got so much talent. Like he deserves to get paid. And I think the NFL teams are realizing that too. And wide receiver contracts are just getting so expensive that tight ends are still value somehow. It doesn't really make any sense to me. It's probably because there's only like four guys who are actually like really, really good tight ends in the NFL, but wide receivers, not necessarily the same case. So I think teams are legitimately starting to view them as a little bit more interchangeable. And We'd rather just go into the draft and go try to draft somebody young and, and pay them cheap for a few years and then move on because we don't want to spend $30 million a year on the top NFL wide receiver. And that's a massive number and it's only going to continue to go up. So, uh, I mean, NFL teams are going to have to accept that at some point, but it does feel like this is a trend where they believe them to be a little bit more interchangeable now, or is they could, they could quickly replace them as opposed to like years past. I mean, there's, there's two schools of thought. We've talked about it uh, on the podcast before where it's pay the receiver. And I think in a lot of places, it makes sense. Like I think Buffalo really did right by Stefan Diggs by paying him, keeping him happy. Same thing. We just talked about LA with Cooper cup. And then you have these teams that have these receivers that say, no, you know, we're trusting the quarterback. So, Baltimore sends Hollywood Brown to Arizona. That's probably the less lesser of the four. Uh, so they're, you know, they're putting their faith into uh, Lamar. Kansas City sends Hill to Miami. They're putting their faith in Pat uh, Devante to Las Vegas, putting their faith. You can you can win in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. And then the one that's a little bit tough for me is is Brown to Philly because, you know, I I know that by by definition Tennessee is run first, but you feel like they're a little bit shorthanded now with Ryan Tannehill at the helm that to me is of the of the teams that sent these really elite receivers to other squads that to me is, seems like the biggest risk because i think Tannehill needs that kind of cast not that you i mean you can obviously win with with Tannehill. they were the bye they were in the afc title game a few years ago uh went to an extent but i, I really think you need receivers around him and just uh an interesting bet by tennessee more interesting than the, than the others because we know like we know Mahomes and Rodgers are elite, and of course they're going to miss Tyreek Hill. Of course they're going to miss Devontae Adams, but you, you can see the path to them still winning their divisions. I just don't see that in Tennessee. I think it's insane that Tennessee is just like, we'll just take Traylon Burks and because yeah. he's the closest wide receiver, like athletic profile-wise to A.J. Brown, and we'll just see if we can get the same thing out of him. Uh, not to say that Traylon Burks can't be a good player, Right. But AJ Brown is young and I think he's he is so a good special player. And, you know, we haven't seen him manage to stay healthy for an entire year. Thankfully he hasn't had like major, major injuries, but if he stays healthy, he's got number one wide receiver of the NFL upside. Like he's got like 1500 yard potential. Like he's that good of a player. And that's why the Eagles were just like, well, we'll just pay him. We don't care. We'll give him the contract. He's that just good. big and athletic. And sometimes you get these Titans on the, the national games and you're like, who the hell is? It? And it's just like, you could just tell Brown has top receiver upside. And I don't, you know, I, I don't get it in, for Tennessee, especially. But hey, look, we'll, we'll see how it ends up playing out. You, you know, you can always eat your words when you're talking on June 13th about offseason moves. All right, number one. We finally made it to number one, and we are, of course, counting down the off-season headlines that really matter. Let's go ten to ten to two. Oh, we put it up. That's okay. Ten to two first. Broadcast team. Uh, we at number ten. I think the broadcast team shakeup will change how we take in football. Number nine. Calvin Ridley suspended for a year. Number eight. Colt Starius Leonard has off-season back surgery. Number seven. Unfamiliar territory in Pittsburgh with the QB battle. Number six, Bill Belichick has his hands on with the offense more than other years. Number five, lingering, disgruntled, key players in the NFC West, unlike those number four, run it back Rams who are taking care of their players. Number three, the GOAT, Tom Brady retired and then unretired. He might be around for three years. Number two, the wide receiver trade and signing frenzy and how it has an impact in the league. And finally, number one, to me, is this, Steve. Two big names traded in the quarterback carousel, and I'm talking about Russ Wilson to Denver and Matt Ryan to Indianapolis. Why does this matter, and why is this the most important offseason headline? Because the past two years, the quarterback, the veteran quarterback who went to the new team, won the damn Super Bowl. So are we going to see that for a third year with a different veteran quarterback in Indianapolis or Denver? What do you think, Steve? 
Uh, I guess Denver has that upside. Uh, I don't. <laughs> yeah. You're not seeing it. So yeah, you're keeping that RJ energy of just hating the Indianapolis Colts. So no, I, I, I think he'll be proud of you for that. I think the Colts are fine. Um, I, I think that they can win that. Oh, that's division. that's what that's what fans like to hear. Uh, my team is fine. <laughs> I think they'll win that division. I just don't look at the Colts and you look at the hierarchy of the AFC and how many good teams there are out there. I don't look at the Colts like, okay, that roster's ready to do it. All they needed was Matt Ryan, and now they are going to a Super Bowl. I don't look at them like that. Denver's got that upside, but the AFC West is still so difficult. Uh, I, I don't know that Denver is legitimately like the best team in that division. And I still think that the Raiders could wind up being uh, a huge handful. And I think the Chargers have the best situation right now to be the best team in the AFC West and dethrone the Kansas City Chiefs. So Tom, Tom, the Tom Brady going to uh, Tampa was really shrewd. I mean, he was picking in free agency and these others were trades. Uh, Matt Stafford going out to the NFC West was really a, a big bet on himself. And Russ made a similar bet by switching from the NFC West to the AFC West. The AFC West is historically now like it's going to be wild to watch. I mean, I every AFC West game is can't miss. And look, uh, Denver has a pretty good team, but you're right. They're going to be hurt by the fact that they're playing these top teams six times a year. Uh, I, I agree. I, I like Ryan to Indianapolis. I think Leonard is something to watch. I, I think that's important to that team continuing to be competitive. I, I think if you're talking about a team that simply needed a quarterback and putting Wilson on the Broncos, that is more likely to lead you to a, what would be a division title and, and a championship where it becomes interesting is, is, is Wilson still that guy? That is such a, a question. I, you know, you you knew that Brady was, I, I think to an extent you knew Stafford was, you wanted to see Stafford in a much different situation. You've never seen it before. Uh, Wilson has won a championship before. But you just wonder, you know, what Wilson are you getting? Is this just off-season hoopla and he's going to be that same player who, who didn't really look the same anymore in Seattle? Or, or is he going to turn back the clock? And that's going to be a key there, especially when, you're playing Justin Herbert twice, Mahomes twice, and and Derek Carr with Devontae twice. Yeah, and I I do think that they have some question marks on their defense. Like their secondary should be very good, right? Um, right. And bringing in I, Randy Gregory was huge, but we still got to see what they have in Bradley Chubb. Like Bradley Chubb had the insane rookie year, and you know then he has significant yeah. injuries, and he's struggled the last couple of years to stay healthy and get on the football field for them. So. I think they still expect that they can get a lot out of him if they can keep him healthy. But if he struggles this season, like it's really Randy Gregory and that's it. And their defensive line might struggle a little bit. This would have been a lot more exciting like two years ago because the, the defense was, you know, this Von Miller was still in the mix. You, you felt really good about the, the defense. Miller himself, in so many words, was like, man, you know, we're, we kind of just need Drew Locke to be that guy. It, in other words, we just need a legitimate quarterback, uh, you know, and it never really happened for them. Miller went to L.A., flirted with the Denver Broncos again, the old lover, and then picked a whole new lover in the Buffalo Bills where he got paid way too much money, in my opinion. But that's for another day. That wraps up our rankings of the headlines that we think will actually matter heading into the 2022 season. And now it's time, Steve. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to win this award, but we're going to bring Rachel in. To name our MF double MVP, Rachel, you know what to do. Do the right thing. And uh, I know that you know what that is. Hello, my friends. Thank you for filling in, Stephen. We appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. So it all comes down to this, guys. The pick that I, all of you guys uh, did really good. I think that you agreed on a lot of the same points, but there was one in the beginning that was different. Uh -oh. I had to side with, this was on Calvin Ridley. And yes. talking about <laughs> how pretty much like the NFL is like picking and choosing when they want to pretty much like uh, set an example from a player. And so right. that one, I had to side with Steven. No! Rochelle is part of, this is the problem yes. with Rochelle. <laughs> Rochelle is part of Team Monday Football Monday. Oh, and she just continues to dish the award out to the guest whenever there's a guest. I no, think the guest hit... I think the guest hit rate is 100%. I have to check my numbers with, with RJ, but every time there's a guest on, I feel like they take home the MF double MVP. Steve, what agrees we... with me that we should see more players gambling on the sidelines during yeah. NFL games. It yeah. would be fun. <laughs> so you got to give us your speech, Stephen. Oh, okay. Um, 
I would just like to thank uh, RJ um, for letting mm -hmm. me fill in for him. Um, yeah, right, of course. And uh, I would like to thank Pete for being a humble loser um, and, and not making a big deal about this. And hopefully I will get to come back on Monday Football Monday at some point. I'll go buy a polo no. so I can really no. fill in for RJ. No, uh, first and last, Steve. Uh, if you like the uh, SB Nation NFL show, please leave us a rating and review. If you're unhappy with the MFW MVP uh, for this week, I, and I wouldn't blame you, you can also tell us about that. Thank you to Steve. Um, you know, Steve, thank you uh, for coming on here. I'm glad that you won something because we know you didn't win bags or Connect Four this weekend. Uh, thank you to Rachel behind the scenes. Uh, we'll see you next week. RJ should be back. This has been Monday, Football Monday.